The Gym Class Zeros Podcast, where the zeros are the heroes. back everybody to another episode of the gym class zeros podcast back at it front of the week real quick let's introduce the boys my name is george hey what's up guys study here what's going on guys it's your boy coach let's do it let's fucking do it and brewmaster kyle i was put on notice last week i tried introducing the guys and it didn't go well with coach almost got uninvited to his birthday dinner so had to make sure we did a little round table there fired up another great episode coming up your way everybody thanks for joining again uh, if you're listening right now, uh, we appreciate you. If you're not listening, well, you don't hear us, so we'll just move on. And let's start with everybody's favorite brewmaster, uh, Mr. Kyle and Bland. I'm thirsty. I'm ready. My beer's been sitting in the freezer, so uh, let us know what's on tap this week. Well, George, do you, uh, first of all, for everyone, uh, do you guys know what lives on Jury Lane? The Muffin Man. The, the Muffin Man. Yeah. I almost said you know what else lives on Jury Lane? You know what else lives there? Nickelbrook Brewing. <laughs> I was gonna say Nickelbrook Chris Brewing Drew. is on 864 Drury Lane in Bur- Burlington, Ontario. So Cheers we're taking our beer of the week to uh, Burlington, Ontario with Nickelbrook Brewing, and we're having their Headstock West Coast IPA. So uh, without further ado, everyone crack in. Ooh, that smells real nice right off the bat. A little hoppy off the bat, yep. Yeah. That was a delightful pour. Thank you. Well, cheers, everyone. A salute. I find it interesting the can says poor color. It actually describes the poor color as a marmalade. Yeah. No, it does. It's uh, it, it's pretty accurate, I would say. Yeah. I just don't like when they, they tell me what it looks like. Like, let me decide <laughs> what it looks like. <laughs> okay. What do you think it looks like then? Looks like marmalade. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's very original, George. Fuck off, George. Honestly, fuck off. You know what, Coach? You're not allowed to judge. I don't see a headstock IPA in your hand right now. <laughs> you know, no, you're right, but I can still tell him to fuck off. Hey, first uh, first initial thoughts on this. Yours or mine? Let's hear, from, let's hear it from the brewmaster first. All right, well, I would put it up there with any other good West Coast IPA. Uh, Mad Tom comes to mind. Uh, the Sawdust City Lone Pine IPA. Those ones are up at the top for me, and I would put this up there for sure. It's uh, It's got some nice grapefruit notes, some citrus. Um, I definitely didn't read the back of the can to get that. And, uh, <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's just say, a really I, nice, refreshing beer. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm feeling some pine, some citrus peel, and just classic. I don't know what that means. That's what, that's yes, what I was feeling. That's too. right off the yeah. back of the that's right off the back of the can. Yeah. Just no, I, I in all honesty though, I do see I, I get the citrus, especially the grapefruit, and I think it's very similar to a lot of other IPAs that I've I've had in the past. Not that's not a negative thing. I think it's it's very good. Um there's nothing that kind of like makes it stand out from the crowd. Uh but the something can just is like cool. standard. Yeah. I think you were saying they've rebranded recently. Yeah, they used to have uh, a more matte finish on their cans and a completely different design, but now they've gone with a much larger 
uh, guitar headstock uh, on their can, and it, I find it pops more. Coach finds it sucks, but you know what? Fuck him anyways. I'm the brewmaster. I find a lot of breweries have been rebranding it as of late, and for I would say like 99% of them, I'm not a fan of their new rebranding, and I'm, I much prefer uh, the the old style of branding on the, on the cans. Uh, that being oh, said, yeah, you. yeah, I like I don't know what's going on. There's this new wave of breweries rebranding and it looks like they're trying to simplify things but i don't know i like to think i like the the way things were before um in terms of this i think it's a a really good one too um i'm not usually a huge fan of ipas but uh i do find uh most oftentimes when i do like an ipa it is a wet at like a west coast style uh i find the kind of the citrusy in my opinion kind of helps cut a lot of the hops and uh yeah I'm, I'm a fan of this one like george said it doesn't really stand out all that much it kind of reminds me of the mill street one they've got a really good west coast ipa as well but uh yeah i, w- I, w- I would uh i would probably order this or buy this again though yeah, what, sure. what makes an ipa a west coast or east coast when you have oh, it you I... feel like you're three hours behind <laughs> maybe you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I think it's uh, more to do with like the styles that were developed in. So like, there's New England IPAs and then there's West Coast IPAs. And I think they kind of developed their own style based on the hops they used or the grains. Um, I really don't know the official background of it, but I think that'd be a, a cool thing to learn. All right. You'll be back at the end of the episode. I expect an answer by then. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle and Bland, another fantastic edition of Bland's Brew of the Week. Just a reminder, everybody, we're doing Headstock West Coast Style IPA by Nickelbrook, Nickelbrook Brewing. Brewing. Sorry, did you say Nipplebrook? Fuck, that was a handful. Nickelbrook so, Brewing. If if it's Nipplebrook, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for next week. Awesome, and as as always. Uh, the brewmaster will be back later on in the episode for our uh, our fun little games at the end. So uh, thanks a lot, Kyle, and uh, another another really really nice edition of Kyle's Bland's Brew of the Week. Holy yeah, shit, guys. guys! He took one sip of the beer and he's all over the fucking place. He can't even Fuck. speak English anymore. It is a seven percent beer. Uh, yeah, no. Jesus Christ! It's a strong give, beer. Give a on it. <laughs> it's a strong beer. Yeah, it's supposed to make you strong, not make you fucking. Like you forget your words. Strong punch in the mouth. Yeah, pretty much. Jesus Christ. Okay, let's let's move on to this Wednesday in sports history. Kind of no coach is gonna be fired up for this one. Uh I'm gonna take I'm gonna be taking this one, so uh really excited for this. We're jumping back to twenty thirteen, November twenty fourth. German Red Bull driver Sebastian Vettel wins the season ending. Stop, 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 cut him off, stop. cut him off. No, cut him off Mike. Oh my god, what's fuck. going on? What the fuck, George? <laughs> Honestly, what the fuck? Record equalizing 13th consecutive Grand Prix win of the season. Fourth straight driver's championship. This guy won four championships in a row. Sebastian Vettel, a living legend who's still actually racing to this day. He's with Aston Martin this year. Guy's a legend. Yeah, you know, I Aston thought we Vettel. had a really, we did a really good job of uh, making good conversation out of the, the last two, uh, these, this day in sports history, but I don't think there's going to be any discussion after this one. Yeah. What it's the fuck, George? You have one job. You have one job. You have one job. I didn't, and I didn't talk hear a racing. single word. I didn't hear a single word George said. You know what? That's fine. Fourth straight World Drivers Championship he won in 2013. Oh, my God. That means he was the best driver on the grid 
for the whole season. He did that four years in a row. Oh my God, who the hell cares? How big's the grid? 20 drivers. It's a big grid. Oh, that's not that impressive. <laughs> and he wasn't driving a Honda Accord, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, fuck off, George, again. <laughs> so if you guys are really interested in uh, F1, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Pod, where we don't make any mention of F1. Uh, but I'll talk to our social media intern and make sure he adds that in there. Uh, and of course, on Instagram, at Pod, check us out, social media, let us know. Are you guys fans of F1 or not? We're going to put a poll up. We're going to see, am I being unfairly abused about F1? Uh, or should I really not be speaking about F1 ever again? Yeah, I thought our goal of hiring this intern is to double our followers, not make it cut in half. Hey, the, the Instagram poll will decide for that. George, if you run this poll and get more than 50% yes, they like F1, Kyle will personally give you $10. So let's let's hope that it's not the case because I'm I don't want that. Kyle to give you any money. No, I'm fine with that bet. But, Go for it. Okay. But Kyle All is right, a man deal. of his word. Deal. He's yeah. a man of his words. We've got he's it a man on. Of, he's a man of my words, I guess. But I was going to say he's a man of his words. We've got it on record words. now. Uh, speaking of polls. More, I'll give $10 to, to Simon, to coach. Speaking of polls, do we have any results from uh, last last week's controversial poll? Yeah, you lost miserably. I don't know about that. Here, let me pull up the numbers so I can talk facts here. When I voted, it was about 60-40. That's, that's better than nothing. Here, let's see. Yeah, we got, uh, what is this? 60, 60% said yes, said he's wrong. Um, and then 40% were probably confused and pressed on the wrong button and said that said he was right. Yeah, so you, you guys were giving me shit, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's pretty even. I have to say, though, in a, I did a little bit of research after the words, aka, like, I actually just called people out that voted for no. And overwhelmingly, people were misunderstanding the question when they said no. The question was, is the scores, salad, and soup bar great? People took it as, do you like scores or Saint Soup better? That wasn't the question. The question was just, is the soup and salad bar at scores incredible and not overrated? Is it fairly rated? It wasn't ever meant to be a either or question. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Because I called some people out that said Seti's right. And I said, what the hell are you guys thinking? And they said, Santa Bala can't be beat. And I'm like, that's not the question here. So just let the record state. There was some confusion. All right, what are we talking about next? As always, guys, I think this is going to be the last time we give a shout out to Birdberry for this season. I think uh, the golf season has come to an end, at least outdoor golf. Make sure you check us out. We're going to be indoor golfing a lot this winter. Uh, but either way, we'll be we'll be repping our Birdberry golf attire, or as some people would say, apparel. Uh, and so, check them out, birdberrygolf.com. Use promo code GCZ20 at checkout, get 20% off your order, and make sure you look as good as Coach and I look out on the golf course. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? It means, or sorry, as good as we look at the scores, salad, and soup bar. All right, enough of that already. I want to get a, a little bit of fantasy sports talk. I think we talk a lot about the real reality sports, uh, but how about some fantasy sports? I think we're all pretty pretty avid fantasy sports players. And uh, 
we're into we dabble we dabble into the hockey and the football and 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 want to get a little bit of the guys's perspective here uh over i guess the use of of and how you play and how you set your lineups and how many moves you make and uh and and the kind of i guess hesitation because i'll speak for myself i find a lot of times i've got a guy that's maybe struggling and i'll hang on to him out of fear that he's going to get he's going to produce once i drop him or as producer segs would say uh fofu fear of fucking up and so it's like last year for example i had taylor hall on my line on my roster i carried this guy for probably 60 games not 60 games, not even 60 games last year. I carried him for probably 75% of the season, thinking, okay, next game he's gonna he's gonna light it up, he's gonna wake up, he's gonna this is gonna be the one, and he never never really did. And until I finally dropped him. Nobody wanted to trade him for me or trade trade me for him. So what's your perspective on this? Do you guys do the same thing where you just kind of hold on to a guy hoping that he's gonna turn it around suddenly? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's been well known within the group that I've struggled this issue the last two years in NFL fantasy. Uh, it, last year, I had two tremendous quarterbacks on my lineup with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. And I just couldn't, I could never bring myself to bench Lamar, even though at the end of the season, I think Josh Allen was probably the, the top point earning uh, quarterback in the league. But it's just one of those, and then again this year, this is, I mean, I had two good quarterbacks last year, so it was more of a case of I don't want to miss out on one of Lamar's, you know, crazy games where he's rushing for 150 yards and th- throwing for, you know, three or four TDs. But this year I've been like, I've been, really been struggling. Uh, so I've got Patrick Mahomes, who usually is a lights-out quarterback, and then I've got uh, Kirk Cousins on the bench. And I can't, for the life of me, get myself to to sit Mahomes because, like you said, the the fofu, you know, uh, great great uh, acronym right there, of you know, oh, this might be the week where he goes off, which last week was the case, but then again, this week he goes and puts up seven points, and then I've got a guy on my bench who's putting up regular twenty five points regularly, uh, week in and week out, so. Yeah, I, it's something I think I've struggled a lot with. Is you know, at what point do you give up on a guy? Obviously, I don't want to just drop Mahomes because someone's going to pick him up, and then God knows he's going to go off for the rest of the season. But yeah, it's tough. It's like I've I've been trying to seek out like okay, what what time's the right time to just give up on him and and sit him? But yeah, it's cost me uh, at least three weeks now in fantasy, and I, I think it's finally time for me to learn my lesson. I think I think something that can be applied in both the NFL and the NHL in regards to fantasy is uh, the the study of analytics, the study of stats. You know, I think everybody goes for the big names and everybody goes for who's popular, but there are players that aren't as well known that are putting up consistent numbers every week. So it's important to check that out. You know, everybody goes for you know in the NFL they want the best quarterbacks, they want the Mahomes, they want the Jacksons, they want the stuff, right? And for running backs, the same thing. Everybody wants the best running backs and the receivers. Because those are the guys that will get you the most points, right? Well, supposedly. But I've been able to pick up a few guys that were kind of just flew under the radar, had a few good weeks, are probably like the best wide receiver on a really bad team, and they get a lot of receptions in. And, you know, I get a lot of points because of that, and, and I'm happy, right? Uh, right now in our league, I think I'm in second place, but the first place guy is just getting his ass kicked this week, and I think I'm going to win, so I'll be back 
be back in first where I, right where I belong. But I just got a few good players and then the rest are just kind of random guys that just will get me, you know, a healthy amount of points every week. And, and I'm pretty happy about that. In regards to the NHL, the same thing, right? Um, you you latch on to big names, and often those big names, you know, don't get points. So, for example, I picked up Troy Terry from the Anaheim Ducks, right? Prior to last year, nobody knew who the fuck Troy Terry was. But you watch sports shows and you and you listen to, you know, hockey podcasts and you hear these names, you know, these guys that are lighting it up. And I saw him on waivers and I picked him up and he's been great. So, again, that whatever Seggs wants to call it, foo-foo, foo-foo, whatever, right? You don't want to drop a big name, but at the same time, you have to realize that if those guys are not scoring, not putting up points, you have to let that go. Now, obviously, there's players that you draft high enough that you kick, like that you can't cut. You guys notice in the app, like you want to get rid of a guy, you can't cut him, and that's okay. But you got to work with what you got. I'm not doing too well in hockey, to be honest. I just beat Brewmaster Kyle last week, and uh, yeah, so fuck you, Kyle. But anyways. Um, we're on to the next week right now, but uh, yeah, I started one and three. Now I'm three and three, and uh, yeah, so don't catch feelings for players. You can't because that's how you lose, George. Zenon Kanopka was my guy back when penalty minutes were big. Zenon Kanopka would lead the lead in penalties because of the fighting, and he just rack up points. Guy that you wouldn't think, but if you're in a league that's heavy on penalty minutes, look for the fighters. Otherwise, like, I mean, last year I picked up Joe Pavelski, who you think is, is okay, a big name, but not so much wasn't at the limelight or at the top of the league last year until kind of he blew up. And, and last year he was really strong. He was probably my second or third best player behind McDavid, which was impressive. And another guy, like the one I would look at too, is like Matthew Kachuk in NHL. Matthew Kachuk, I had him last year. Taylor Hall, I said it earlier. Those two guys just didn't really perform last year. They had off seasons, even though they're bigger names. Tyler Sagan is another one. So it's it's very interesting to see that. I, I mean, what's your threshold usually? Like, would you would you basically hold on to a guy for three, four weeks and then drop? Or are you like, that's it, this guy, this guy's a real deal, and I believe he's gonna turn it around eventually, no matter how long it takes. I think you have to I think you have to look at the team he's on and their opponents in the upcoming few weeks. Like if they're if they're playing tough teams in the next couple of weeks and you know that you know they have a they have a sh- shut down pairing or they have a shut down line that that's that's really known to not allow these big names to score well then i tend to i you know i tend to take that into into thought because if they're going to play big heavy strong teams and you're a skill guy well you're going to get shut down right so you give it a couple of weeks and then after that if if you see that there's no improvement in the stat in, on the stat sheet you got to let go like and just to give you guys an example, like I'm in another league as well, other than the one with you guys, and they count like hits, shots on goals, block shots, all that stuff. So I'm picking up random guys like Charlie Coyle playing on the Bruins, right? That guy will, that guy lays down four or five hits a game, takes three, four shots a game. So those points add up real quick. So you just find these gems here and there, and those guys will take you a long way. Like I swept a guy kind of last week. I think there's nine or ten categories, and I won nine nothing. So just to show you guys that, like, you pick up, you drop, you see who's playing who, you look at the matchups, right? So, yeah, it's all about defining the right guy that will will get those, you know, 
weird stats for you, like shots on goal, hits, block shots, penalty minutes. Because people think of goals and assists and points. But those stats, they matter, but the shots and the hits also matter. So kind of another point. Seti, I want to ask you this question before you go on that point. Do you do you prefer a league that runs by categories, like by actual categories of stats, or do you like it the way we do it, where it's just like total points? I I mean, I in terms of especially hockey, because there's so many uh, you know games in a week, I I try to stay as as hands off as possible, as you guys know. So for me, as like keep it simple, just go for total points, and and uh, I think unless you're like a diehard hockey fan who is really you know, digging deep on all all the different stats. I think, generally speaking, I much prefer the the uh, just the total points, and uh, especially for hockey. Um, but one, so one question we cut, I had that coach kind of mentioned briefly, but is especially in the in NFL fantasy fantasy or in football. What, how do you guys? What do you guys think about either starting a guy like a superstar player who is maybe going up against? Uh, a, a strong defense, but you know, you know that he he's got the talent to, to still put up good points. Versus, you know, picking up these random guys that are available, but looking up at their matchup and trying to pick a favorable matchup and starting him over a star player. Because that's another thing I struggle with: is do you go with just star power, or do you try to pick and choose your matchups and drop a bunch of guys every week just because they have a favorable? They're going up against, you know. As a running back, they're going up against the the twenty seventh ranked run defense. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? Do you think uh, that's a worthwhile or worth the effort of putting into it, or do you just go and and start the big names? So the so in in regards to NFL, you know, I I have that issue with my running backs because I have I usually start Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers, but I also have James Conner who's playing for Arizona, right? And um. I always tend to start Aaron Jones, and then Aaron Jones has an off game, and then he he, he gets me like maybe eight, nine, ten points. And then you have James Conner playing for Arizona, who will get me twenty five points a week or thirty points a week. And every time I say I'm going to start James Conner, my gut's like, ah, start Aaron Jones. He might, you know, he might go off. He doesn't go off. James Conner goes off. Arizona's on fire, and then I feel a complete idiot. So I tend to play the superstars, but I think you have to acknowledge like the defense they're playing against if they're a weak weak defense against the rush or against the pass you know you 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 should probably start a certain running back or a certain wide receiver yeah the way i look at it is a little bit differently too i you know to your point about kind of looking at who they're playing to me i actually look more as to who's on their team and who's playing and who isn't like if i've got a number two or number three receiver let's say like a godwin with the buccaneers or even when 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 obj was with the browns I'd look at that team and say, okay, uh, he's he's number two, number three guy, but you know this guy's out. You know the number one guy's out, and so I think this guy's going to get targeted a bit more, and I'm going to start him. Same with the run. Like if the, for example, to to coach's point about Connors with Arizona, if Kyler Murray's in the, in the lineup, different story than when he's not. When Colt McCoy is starting under center. To me, I think Connors is a lot more valuable when there's no Kyler Murray because you know that their 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 aerial attack isn't as strong, so they're probably going to end up running the ball a lot more if they don't trust the guy that's under center to throw the ball as much. So I think to me, it makes 
I think I look more at kind of like who on the team is in and who isn't. Uh, like to my point about OBJ, it was more like, okay, with OBJ, I don't know if, if Jarvis Landry's, you know, the number, number two guy. Uh, but without OBJ, I think Jarvis Landry falls into that number two, number three slot and will probably get targeted a lot more than he would if OBJ was still with the Browns. And so, um, looking at that, I think that's kind of how I approach things when it comes to football. Hockey's a lot differently. Like to me, the best example is when you're looking at goalies. Like if I've got, I don't know, Carter Hart, uh, against the Leafs or do I have Tristan Yari against the, the Buffalo Savers? I'm I'm taking I'm taking the guy who's playing the weaker team for sure, but my strategy when it comes to football is a little bit more different. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that was good. Uh, we'll see if we we learn from each other's mistakes or if we start taking each other's advice. Come next week. Yeah, I don't know if it works out too well for you, Seti, when you take my advice. So, man, very disappointing. <laughs> Touching on football, let's talk a little bit NFL football. I mean, I mean, coach is a big Colts guy. Coming into the season, I gotta let you. I gotta tell you, I was having my doubts about Carson Wentz. I was like, I don't know, are the Colts are the Colts any good? I don't know how they're gonna come out. And and you know what? In fairness, they've looked legit. And and so that's a question I'm throwing out there: Are the Colts legit, or do you think this is something that's gonna wash away come come the back end of the season? No, I think I think the Colts are really asserting their dominance right now. I mean, if you look at their schedule, yeah, they got off to an zero and two start. They lost to Seattle. They lost to the Rams. Loss of the Titans, which were expected to win the AFC South. And then they go on a... They beat Miami. They lose to the Ravens in overtime. Let's not talk about that. Uh, they had a lead and the Ravens came back. Shut up, Baltimore. And then they beat the lovely 49ers. We, we'd love to see that. Um, and then lose to the Titans again in overtime. And now have won three games in a row against the Jets, the Jaguars, and, and now the Bills. So... They started the season not too hot, and then now we're just, you know, they, they have a winning record. And uh, I don't know, like, they're not going to win the division, but they're hopefully going to fight to get a wild card spot. And, and, and now there's three wild card spots instead of two. I don't know if that was implemented last year, but I've only realized that this year that there's three wild card spots. Um, and you know what, Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to say it is the, probably the best running back in the league right now. I mean, the performance you had yesterday was incredible. Five touchdowns, are you kidding me? Against a Bills team that is supposed to win the AFC East, is supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, and we made a fool of them at home. They were in Buffalo, and uh, they just got torn to shreds by the Colts, and, and I was really happy about that. Shut up, Segs. Um, yeah, so Wentz, you know, as you guys mentioned, that at first I was maybe a little skeptical in the offseason. He had surgery. And I thought he would miss a lot more time, but he came back and they've been rolling, man. The wide receivers, you know, Michael Pittman, Ali Cox, Hilton is back and he's been injured, but he's, he's in and out. At tight end, we got an underrated tight end and Jack Doyle does his job really well, blocks really well, can catch the ball. And, uh, yeah, like I said, Jonathan Taylor and, uh, and the defense has been, defense has been solid. I, I have them in fantasy actually and every week they come up clutch, so. Overall, I think the Colts will hopefully grab a wild card spot. Uh, the way they've been playing right now, they're they're one of the hottest teams in the league. So keep this up this week. They're playing the Buccaneers. They're playing Tom Brady. The Bucks have a short week. They're playing. Uh, they're playing. Played in the Monday Nighter. So we got this, Colts Nation, baby. Yeah, I was I was quite skeptical of them at the start of season two. Um, I still am in a certain way. I think uh, 
you know, the guy we all mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, is kind of hiding a lot of their their weaknesses. Uh, and I honestly, I think they're basically a one-man show. If it weren't for him, I don't think they'd be where they are right now. Uh, I was watching the game, or watching some of the game yesterday, and a stat that kind of uh, jumped out at me is when he rushes for under 100 yards, they're 0-5. When he rushes for over 100 yards, they're undefeated. So you're basically relying on one guy to win you games. And yeah, that's that's all, you know, fine and dandy in the regular season, but the moment he gets banged up, uh, when you start getting to the playoffs where, you know, teams are planning, they, uh, they're planning specifically for you and uh, they're going to lock down on the number one offensive threat. I don't know if that's sustainable. Uh, sorry to rain on your parade there, coach, but uh, I think as long as he's healthy and in the lineup and he's not being shut down, yeah, the Colts, they're undefeated, but you know it's tough to, to be a good team when you're only relying on one on one guy. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Seti on this. I think there's a, some of their weaknesses have been have been hidden, I think. I think they're a good team, though. Like, I, I don't think they're they're a bad team that's kind of, like, basically just phonies. I, I think they are a good team. I don't know if they're as good as their record may show. I think they've kind of benefited from, from even, well, I mean, the record's not even that fantastic. They're 6-5, and five, but I think they've, they've played some good games against some maybe not so great teams. No offense, the Bills just haven't been... I don't know. They're six and four, but they haven't been as as dominant as I I expect them to be. Uh, but I think you you benefit. You certainly benefit from playing in a division like the, like the Texans with the Texans and the Jaguars. But you look at the rest of that that AFC. Who else? Like I think the Chiefs win the West. So who's who's second up there? The Chargers. I think you're probably better than the Chargers. Titans will probably take the AFC West. In the North, you got Baltimore South. that's going to win the division. Uh, no, I'm talking about the North. AFC North. Oh, okay, because you said the Titans yeah. and then you said AFC North. No, yeah, the Titans are in the South. They're going to win the division. But then in the North, you got the Ravens who are going to win that division. I think the Bengals are all right. And then in the AFC East, I think it's going to be a toss-up. I think it's going to come down to the wire between the Pats and the Bills. But I think ultimately maybe the Bills are the second team out. And and so you look good for a wild-card spot there. And, and so I think they'll make the playoffs. They'll make a run. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens all together in the AFC. Uh, I personally think the NFC is probably a stronger conference. Uh, and, and so I think they're legit though. Like, I guess that's my, my on the fence take. They're legit. They're not the best. They're all right. They'll make the playoffs, but they won't go far. That's how you answer the question without answering the question right there. So you said that the NFC is the stronger conference. And I do agree. They, they have the stronger teams. But what makes it interesting is the AFC, I would say, arguably, is the deeper conference. So you've got a lot of tight races in certain divisions. You know, uh, speaking of the AFC North, and uh, that's one division that uh, you know I'm I'm always monitoring because that's where the Ravens are. Are you've got, you know, four solid teams. All all the teams are above 500. You got a team that's six and five in last place in the division. Um, these like, and this is kind of something that's a trend that's kind of gone on throughout the year. You've had, I I think personally, it's a lot closer of a season than it has been. There's been a ton of upsets, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. Uh, 
so it's going to be really interesting, uh, especially I think in the AFC because it's so tight uh, all around, maybe except for the AFC South where you've got really two dominant teams and then kind of two trash teams. But uh, yeah, it's really interesting to keep track of and come you know the last few weeks there's it's going to be fun to watch the teams battling out for the last the for the three wild card spots yeah i i was going to say i was going to say you can't you can't lock in the ravens to win the afc north just yet um, no not at all you got no, no, like I'm, i said no george oh, I, yeah. i'm locking it in tyler huntley's my guy i'm riding him to the playoffs <laughs> uh no well, when you you're at 7 and 3 and the last place in the division is 6 and 5 that's only you know uh a one and a half game cushion, so it's yeah. tight. It's still anyone's anyone's division, but I think yeah. the Ravens are going to win it. Well, of course, as a fan, that's what you want, right? But the season's far from over, and and like you said, if the whole if the whole division is over five hundred, that says something, right? That says that nobody's out of it just yet. There's still another five six weeks left in the season. Things could change. You know, the Ravens could lose a few, the Bengals could win a few, and all of a sudden, the Bengals are first in the division. So. I don't think that I don't think the North is is a complete lock on the Ravens there. But that's you know you get towards the end of the year that's where the games get interesting. There's a lot of playoff implications. The teams that are not going to make it don't give a fuck anymore. So um in that case it kind of makes it easier for the teams that are that are looking to clinch a spot. But but in the AFC North, I mean it's really anybody's division. Statistically and- it's anybody's division. I'm calling it for the Ravens though. Like in, I'm like the guy on CNN on election night. I'm calling it prediction made. The fact that you beat the Bears yesterday without, or excuse me, on Sunday without without Lamar, I thought it's impressive. But I'll agree that that's basically the AL East of football right there in the AFC North. Like I, I think Cleveland is better than than a six and five record. That's a decent team right there that's sitting at the the, the last spot in their division. So it's it's definitely a strong division. I just like the Ravens a lot. I think they're coaching wise, they're solid. Their offense is great. Their defense could be a little tighter, obviously. Uh, but that's a I don't know, man. I don't know. I think what helps the Ravens the most is that they don't they don't actually play the Niners before the end. Of, like they don't play the Niners for the rest <laughs> of the season. So it's funny. You mentioned there's that, no though. guaranteed loss there. I mean, it's funny you bring up that. Uh, do you know? They're, they've got a really tough upcoming schedule. Do you know who they're they're up against coming up? So in their last was it? Uh, they're ten games in. So the last seven games, they got the Steelers twice. They got the Browns twice. They got the Bengals once, and they got uh, the Rams and Green Bay. Does that change your opinion? Because that's a that's a really tough schedule. You're playing that's a all tough fucking schedule. That's you're now playing that you all that. Yeah. I'm predicting the Ravens last last in the AFC North. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a tough schedule, especially you've got in your last seven games you've got uh, was it five divisional games against a division that's all above 500. So yeah, it's gonna be a tight one, and you can't afford to lose any games. And hopefully uh, Lamar heals quickly from this non-COVID related illness because uh, we'll definitely need him going down the stretch. How about the Pats? I know everybody likes, loves to hate all the Pats, but I think Mac Jones has come in, especially after the year they had on, with Cam Newton under center last year. Mac Jones has looked like a, a complete 180 for the Patriots. They don't look like a lost team anymore. And and is it is it too much to say that they're looking a lot more like Tom Brady's Patriots of old? Is that too far? 
I, I wouldn't say so. I think uh, you can draw a lot of parallels between Brady and uh, Mac Jones uh, just one-on-one. Obviously, he still has uh, a lot to prove in comparison to Brady, but in terms of their you know, their football IQ and their playing style, neither of them are really great or super mobile quarterbacks, but they're really good at reading the defense. So I think... Uh, and that's I think that's why they drafted him, because they knew he would fit into their system uh, pretty well. But yeah, I, I definitely a surprise. Definitely w- didn't expect them being where they are now. But uh, yeah, they had maybe one offseason last year, but I think the Patriots are back to, to the standard they're expected playing. I think right now the only thing that Mac Jones and Tom Brady have in common is one, they're both quarterbacks. Two, their names both have eight letters. First and last name is eight letters. And three, they're both white. Stop comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady. Stop trying to start a new Brady-like era. It's his first fucking year. Give this guy a break. I mean, yeah, the Patriots are doing well, and that's nice and all, but to already be trying to compare it to Brady and Brady era and Brady this, bro, Brady's an icon. You know how you, you know how big those shoes are to fill? There's no chance he fills those shoes ever. I'm not, I'm not no, saying... I, it's, not a, it's not a like a... I think this is going to be the same thing where they're going to win five, six Super Bowls. I think it's more like the style of play and the way they, they run an offense. He's a that, pocket yeah, that's passer. What I was saying. They're running a lot of the same plays that they did under Brady. A lot of their play calls, the, the playbook, is very similar to the kind of offense Belichick and, and McDaniels ran when Brady was, was under center. And that's why they struggled last year with, with Newtons because he doesn't play that, sim, that style of offense. And that's why they ended up, you know, not re-signing him. And Matt, and that's like, that's like I said, that's why they picked up Jones is because he can play a similar style as Brady. He's I'm not saying he is Brady, but they have a, a similar style at playing quarterback and playing that position. Uh, I think is why he's been able to be successful as uh, basically the only successful first round quarterback in this year's draft. Right? I think he was put into an offense where he's uh, you know, given a chance to succeed. But real quick, just I, I want to give a shout out to Cam Newton, man. Resigning Carolina, it just it just feels right. It just, that's a great story. That's, great story. That's where that's where he's supposed to be. And in the last few weeks, you know, he's he's been playing with the Panthers and he's played really well. So now I can pull my Cam Newton jersey out and not be ashamed about it um, because it's it's nice to see him back with the Panthers for sure. That that's where he should have been. He should have never left. But you know sometimes you got to go to come back, right? So shout out well, Cam Newton It's interesting. When, when, when Cam left Carolina, people were like, I don't, it's so bad that relationship there that we don't think he's ever going to come back, not even like past his playing time. Like, I don't think he's coming back to Carolina ever in a football capacity. And now he's, he's freaking under center. He's, he's quarterbacking the Carolina Panthers right now. Nobody would have seen this coming this time last year. And, and what's and he's, that? He's providing, he's producing right now. What's that saying? You don't know what you have until it's gone. I think that was uh, kind of what Carolina realizes. Uh, you know, they only were where they, they were only where they were because of who they had under center. And uh, I think they, they've struggled the last few years without him. And uh, it's nice to see him back and successful, well, semi-successful in his first two games back. Yeah, no. And, and, and as you said, like you you don't know what you're missing till it's gone, and that's how I felt about the, you know, the salad bar at scores. So now I'm glad that, uh, now I'm glad that you know we're we're back in business. We're ready to get back to it. So, scores. If you're listening to this, I'd love a sponsorship. The Gym Class Zeros would love to be sponsored by Scores. We don't even want free chicken. We just want free salad bar. So, 
Hit yeah, the DM. We'll pay for the chicken. Oh yeah, no, you know, I I talked to Kyle and he said he's willing to pay the chicken. Um, he gets a good cash back on like groceries and stuff, so um, he said he's willing to pay. But yeah, we just want free salad bar and uh, scores. If you hear this, clock lock in my DM at Jim Zeros on Instagram. I think also I think I throw Mandarin buffet in there as well. Uh, Coach and I have done some serious damage at the Mandarin. Uh, it's probably like if you look at you can tell probably by looking at their accounting the nights that we were there because they were probably in the red. They made less than what it cost them to feed us. Uh, so that's another one. Mandarin, uh, let's start a partnership. They've You've done a lot of damage to them, but at the same time, they've done a lot of damage to you. God. It's good pain. And your it's asshole. Good pain. It's good pain. Yeah. Always worth it. Mm. You know, it's a good night when, when you're leaving there and you can't you can't breathe. I mean, any night where you got to take your pants off to breathe is, is a good night. Talking a little bit, uh, I think let's pivot a little bit. And then I think one thing for me, you guys know, uh, my obsession with golf and Tiger Woods yesterday or, or on Sunday posted a video of him at the range on Instagram. So it's kind of hinting to an upcoming return to either, you know, tournament play of some sort. Uh, and it's got a lot of people buzzing around the golf scene. And so it, it had me thinking about a question I wanted to give to, to kind of throw out there for you guys when it comes to golf and and this maybe could be also applied to other sports as well are you guys more likely to watch an event based on the event itself or the players participating in it so for example if it's the masters and you can't name a single player in in the field or if it's the fucking i don't know the some random north carolina open and you've got the top 10 golfers in the world playing in that. Are you more likely to watch the one where it's some random event and you've got all the best golfers or it's this big spectacle of an event, but you don't really know any of the guys that are playing? I think I'd rather watch the big events. I mean, if you take, for example, the Masters, right? There's Obviously, you're going to see all the big names, but those are the tournaments when guys will snap out of the blue and all of a sudden win the green jacket like, Players you don't ever expect to win will win. Um, so it's nice to see that kind of emergence of, of those guys at at the big events when there's the most attention from the media and most people are watching. Whereas Tiger Woods going to go to the Hawaii Open and just fucking he's expected to win everything, right? So you kind of don't care to watch as much. One, because it's not, a, it's not really a big event. And two, you kind of have an expectation as to, you know, who's going to win because not all the big golfers go to every small tournament. When you look at the U.S. Open, when you look at uh, um, uh, fuck, what's that called? The Masters. When you look at the uh, like the British Open, yes, the big guns are there, but there's also s- smaller players that just haven't had the chance to 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 prove themselves or just haven't had that exposure. And you just see these guys just explode and just really play well, and then that's how they become a well-known golfer or a highly ranked golfer. So I'd rather watch the event to kind of watch those small guys blossom. What about you, Seti? Yeah, I agree. I think what will, I mean, to be honest, what will dictate whether or not, whether or not I watch a golf tournament is probably depending on what else is on TV uh, at the same time. But uh, that, as an aside, uh, I think what draws me more to watching golf on TV is, like you said, is those underdog stories on Sunday afternoon where it's a guy who going into the tournament was a long shot. Uh, and the first thing that comes to mind was last year's Masters, uh, Matsuyama, 
comes out of nowhere and wins the green jacket. I think those are the stories that are going to attract me more to, you know, turning the channel on onto golf. Now, uh, I'll be straightforward and saying and honest and saying I'm not going to watch golf unless it's Sunday. I I love playing golf, but I don't think I enjoy watching enough to just watch uh, one of the earlier rounds. But yeah, on a Sunday afternoon, I'll, I'll I'm most more likely to to turn it on if it's uh, kind of a huge underdog that's about to win it or has a good chance at winning it. Yeah, to me, I got a lot of the guys that I really cheer for, and and I've said this before. There's nothing that beats. Sunday at the Masters at Augusta and, and just seeing that legendary golf course and to me golf is almost like a 50-50 the players and then 50-50 the other 50% goes to I think the course and, and the condition and, and looking back at the history within these courses like you you look at Augusta obviously and, and then there's St. Andrews the old course and, and the kind of things that you've seen at a lot of these different golf courses and what's happened in the past those matter and, and the history matters and to me i i love that and i appreciate that a lot and so uh being able to look at that to me matters more than if the third ranked golfer in the world is there because i think anybody that's on tour anybody that's playing these tournaments is going to be really good and i can appreciate their skill uh but to me that the actual golf course and where it is and, and the type of event and what's on the line that means a lot too and i think i really appreciate that piece of it you know what at this point uh especially in his career i think I'd be more interested in watching uh, not Tiger Woods play again, but his son, Charlie. I don't know if you guys have seen videos of him hit, hitting the balls. Man, he's got a, a crazy, crazy swing. And he's, I think, uh, I'm looking forward to see him, you know, on the PGA Tour one day and see if he he can come anywhere close to being like his dad. Because I don't know how old he is. Uh, looks like he's about 10 years old, but... Uh, yeah, he looks like he could definitely uh, live up to his dad's expectations. That makes a good point, though. A good point that I think I forgot to mention. My rule applies to that rule and what I just spoke to applies only for when Tiger Woods is not in the mix. I'll watch any fucking tournament that Tiger Woods is in. It could be the New York State Championship in Albany, New York, and if Tiger Woods is in there, I'm I'm watching and I'm tuning in uh, because he's on a, he's in a league of his own, and so that's my only exception to that rule. I think the the tournament and the event and the course that it's played at is important and that matters a lot a little bit more than who's playing in it, except when it's Tiger Woods, and that's watching on TV. If I was to attend an event, I think for me it'd be more about the golfers though, like RBC Canadian Open coming up in June. I'm I'm going to be attending that, and I'm hoping for some some big names to show up that we can get to see live. That'd be really neat. So moving forward, let's 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 get Kyle and Bland back into the fold here, uh, and and we're going to get jump to our our game of the week, everybody's favorite new segment. But first, uh, let's see if Kyle's got an answer for us as to what exactly makes a West Coast IPA a West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Kyle is uneducated. We gave him 45 minutes to figure it out. He can't fucking figure it out. Kyle, fuck off. Join the fuck off club, you and George, together. I got carried it. away. I got carried away with listening to you guys because you make a lot of good points about sports, okay? So sue me. I'll get Kyle's lawyer to pay for my lawsuit against Kyle. Oh, Jesus Christ. We're going to sit here and wait for this answer. Hear the cricket sounds. 
Well, while Kyle uh, does his Google search, uh, it's my birthday, guys. So thanks. I, I don't remember anybody asking. Well, I thought I'd share anyways. Uh, I didn't realize that your birthday was a game of the week. Isn't that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I thought well, so. We're waiting for- well, we're waiting for a West Coast ID definition, so yeah, we'll we'll make sure to, birthday, to celebrate. Coach, I guess. Yeah. We're gonna be celebrating Coach's birthday uh, all together, and uh, we'll we'll pour one out for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. happy birthday! So I can't really <laughs> find. Any... <laughs> um, there isn't really a clear definition. Um, it just says like East Coast IPA. Uh, is a bit more complex than West Coast. West Coast style forces the hops. New England IPA forces like more complex flavors, um, but they don't really give like what makes it uh, West Coast. So I think it's really up to the brewer. They can just say whatever the fuck they want. That's what I'm getting from this. But I'm also uh, a brewer's apprentice, so you should talk to an actual uh, brewmaster. So I believe what the the selling point on the west coast style is that it usually showcases a huge amount of hops and it's usually a lot more prominent when it comes to citrus pine and and tropical fruit that's what a west coast uh kind of more when you think of west coast and uh i guess like i don't know like los angeles and a lot of a lot of citrus do you have a lot of citrus in los angeles when i think west coast i think tupac so i don't really think about beer i don't think the west do they have citrus out there like do they grow citrus out there? They yeah, do? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. From the guy who uh, just went to the West Coast. Actually, two of you went to the West Coast. Three, Three of you went to the West Coast. <laughs> Three, yeah, yeah. We're big on West. Yeah. Jesus. We might just change this to the West Coast Zeros podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so game of the West week. West Coast highlight bitterness, bitterness and East Coast is more uh, sweet and juicy. So there you go. There's my answer. Mm-hmm. Sweet and juicy. So if you guys tune in to the Jim Class Heroes podcast to learn about beer, uh, just hang in there. It may take about 47 minutes, but you'll eventually learn something about beer. Whether you believe it or not is a different story. As long as I All believe right. it, I don't really care. I mean, I believe it. I'll put in my thesis, my research paper. All right, Coach, better of the week. What do you got this week? Game of the week. We'll edit that out. Game of the week. What do you got this week? George, you've let me down unconditionally today. I'm very disappointed in you, first of all, with the fucking F1 history. Nobody cares. Then you say we'll better in, the week. We'll let Instagram. We'll, we'll let Instagram decide. Then you say better the week. When is game of the week? Fuck. I, I have to carry this podcast on my back now. Me and Seti. Fuck. Anyways. Hey, what about me? Anyways, uh, the game of the week this week for me, uh, we're going to England. We're looking at the EPL. We're looking at Chelsea Man United on Sunday. That's such a huge match, man. I mean, yes, there's you know the there's the London derbies with the Arsenals and the Spurs and the Crystal Palaces, but one of my favorite matches that I that I enjoy watching is Chelsea Man United, and uh, with Chelsea obviously being the best team in England right now, no doubt. It'd be good to see. Uh, it'll be good to see them play against a Man United team who just sacked their manager. They're kind of all over the place, and I'm hoping it's an easy three points. But you know, the EPL is the most competitive league in Europe, and on any given any given match day, upsets can happen. And Man United, it's weird to say that they're underdogs because they've historically been pretty good, but they're definitely underdogs against Chelsea. So let's go Blues. Fuck Man United. If you're a Man United fan, fuck off. Does anybody else find it interesting that in England they call it sack your manager? 
Like every time they say sack your manager, I just keep thinking like they're just punching him right in the nuts. Like, that's like, how it feels. Gunner Scholzar, yeah, you're not doing well. Here's a kick to the nutsack. Hope you have enough kids because you don't have any more kids anymore. You're sacked. Like that's all I think about. It's pretty cruel. It's pretty brutal. Seti, what's your game of the week? Uh, you know what? This is going to be an interesting one because I doubt it's anyone else's on the planet's game of the week. But I think it could be an interesting one. Uh, you know, this week is American Thanksgiving. We got three football games. Uh, my game of the week is going to be the Bears against Lions. Even though they're two horrible teams, I think this might be the one that the Lions can win. They're 0-9-1. They came so close two weeks ago against the Steelers to get their first win. They've broken my heart the last three weeks that I put money on them winning. They've broken my heart, but I think this is the week that they can pull off the ga- uh, the win. Justin Fields uh, went out this week against the Ravens halfway through the game with a rib injury. Uh, so, I don't know. I think this might be the, the one for the Lions, and uh, I really hope that could, they can pull it off. Kyle, what's your game of the week, buddy? Well, since I was wrong and Tottenham actually won their game this past Sunday, I'm excited to see them play this coming Sunday. So, they're playing to- uh, Bur- Burnley on Sunday. So, excited to see that. That's my game of the week. I think what we're going to do is we're going to add a new uh, segment to the podcast, and it's going to be basically a different trivia question for Kyle to answer, and he'll have 45 minutes to find the answer. And if he doesn't get the answer by the end of it, he just gets called out. So we'll add that to the schedule starting next week. I have to I have to admit right off the bat, uh, I was wrong. Uh, to quote Chris Stapleton, I was wrong. Uh, last week's, one of my two game of the weeks was Ohio State, Michigan State. And I said, oh, it's going to be a good game. Ohio State's uh, favored by like 14. I think that's uh, inflation. Uh, Ohio State beat the living shit out of Michigan State, 56-7. It wasn't close. I watched it, um, and it was a waste of my time. Uh, so I'm going to move away from college football this week. And I'm going to go with Man City PSG. That's Champions League on Wednesday, on the day that this episode's coming out. Uh, the first round of this Champions League uh, game went, went PSG's way. Uh, but I'm feeling good for Man City. No De Bruyne, he's out with uh, COVID. But I'm feeling good for uh, Man City here. They're they're certainly they're they're currently sitting at the top of the table in their Champions League group stage, uh, group. Uh, PSG is right behind them. I think those are the two teams that are going to come out of that group uh, and and move on to the the next round. Two very good teams. I think we're going to get a really good football game. Uh, and I say football, you know, because I'm 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 cultured like that. So. A uh, good soccer slash football match coming on Wednesday. And that's it. Another great episode in the books. Thanks for listening once again for Coach, Seti, Kyle, and of course, Producer Segs. My name is George. Thanks for listening to Jim Class Zero's podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and vote yes to F1 at Jim Class Zero's pod. Have a good night. A salute. Looks like marmalade. You know what? Fuck him anyways. I'm the master. It's a strong beer. Oh, what's that supposed to mean? Fear of fucking up. Non-COVID related illness. Bro, Brady's an icon. You make a lot of good points about sports. Clock lock in my DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Here's a kick to the nutsack. We'll edit that out. Mmm.